The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a CW Spiral, a podcast run by two barchies and a bughead. We're your hosts, Sabrina Reed, Michael Patterson, and Reed Gowden. Bringing you history about the network, the latest news, and in-depth spoiler-filled discussions of some of our favorite shows on the CW. So, there's not much CW news to share uh, this week. I mean, with the strikes going on, it's going to be very limited for a while. But we do have some updates to give information on so if you were enjoyed down to earth with zach efron and you don't have a netflix account and you were enjoying fantastic friends which these two shows got pulled from air they are going to be streaming on the cw app in cwtv.com according to brad sport that's what they're going to do with the pulled shows and i don't know if this means that like you're going to get all the episodes at once or if you're just going to continue to get weekly drops but you can check these their streaming service just to see the rest of the season if you were enjoying it um, also, Perry Sook, the CEO of Nexstar Media Group, gave a disappointing update, but it's like an update everyone kind of anticipated with the strikes continuing on. That means the CW shows have been delayed, which is Superman and Lois, All-American, All-American Homecoming, um, and Walker, ooh, nearly forgot it, um, <laughs> <laughs> are going to be pushed further into 2024. Uh, I don't know if that means that like if you were anticipating seeing them in January, you won't be seeing them in January or if we're going to be looking at like a COVID schedule again where a lot of shows are going to be popping up in March. I feel like a lot of people saw this coming and it's, so it's not really that much of a surprise. But yeah, um, I think that right now all they can hope for is that the shows do or before the next TV season begins because no one has any kind of time frame for how long the strikes will last. I mean, we knew Superman at Lois, Homecoming, and Walker, I think I said that right, were the three that were supposed to come in 2024 anyway. So again, that's not that much of a surprise. It's just high late in 2024 they'll come. And now we know All-American will be joining them because, of course, that was supposed to premiere at the end of this year. So, I mean, like the CW aren't alone in this. Every TV network's probably going to have to face this. They just have their fall schedule piled out with acquisitions and they may need to find some more to fill the uh, spring season, depending on how late it takes these shows to arrive. Mm. I do think we're looking at mid-season next year because mm-hmm. I feel like it would have to have been resolved now to get any January premieres because I don't think any network wants to rush out like, oh, we filmed three episodes, let's get them out before the end of the year and then go on hiatus again just to get something out. Like, that's not sustainable. So may as well just hold it and wait. Yeah, I mean, so the former executive producer and showrunner of Law and Order SVU and Criminal Intent, his name is Warren Late. He shared on, I was going to say Twitter, he shared on X that. Um, cursed. So and, cursed. <laughs> <laughs> that, so the window for a 13 episode season is still open. He was like, if, if they somehow ended the strikes by Labor Day, so in September, early September, they'd be uh, able to open the writer's rooms, which typically take about five weeks before shooting begins, which he said they can condense if they need to. 
in order to like get these episodes written and get start getting them filming in the early fall. And that's how you would get a 13 episode season. If they miss that window, then the, then we're probably going to be looking at reduced episode counts, so, which Superman Lost already has one. It's 10 episodes. For CW, I don't know if that means that they would have all the, the other scripted originals that have been held go down to 10 as well, or if they'll move them. I feel like with All-American, because of the sports initiative, they're going to try to either, uh, they might get that one out front first, just Did so they can have one football season. The episode count for All-American season six? They did not. And typically it's like in the high teens. Um, so okay, that's right. Have they ever had like a 20 episode season? I want to say they did have a 20 episode season. Um, I know they've had a 16 mm. episode one. Because uh, they've, Cause they've gotten episodes increasing every season, I believe. Yeah, it was just interesting that it felt like it was always Riverdale and Dynasty that were like locked into the 20 plus episode season. It was like they were one of the only two shows on the CW that mm-hmm. still had that. And I was like, mm-hmm. it's like all Americans should have been included in that, but none of my business. <laughs> I think they might have been though, because um, but it's hard to tell now, like unless we do the Google, which I'm not gonna do right now. Um, what the episode counts are because with when the pandemic hit, the schedules got messed all up. So we would have extended extended watches. So it'd be like, that's still on? Like even Superman and Lois, like 15 episodes and we're all like, dang, you still going. We love you. That was, but we thought that was you'd be crazy. Done. Yeah. I know. I'm like I'm still like emotionally recovering from that one season. I want to say it was like 2009, 2010. It was definitely Nano Tuna season two, where the CW's like, you know what we're gonna do? to combat having to do like repeats we're gonna just take the show off the air after like the first week of december and then bring it back in march so we can run through the rest of the season no repeats and when you're young (laughs) (laughs) that amount of time between like a mid-season break feels like an eternity like i was Mm. despondent (laughs) for those three months but like now i would be like I prefer that. Mm. I would prefer that <laughs> to what we got was to was it season two when it was just like on a week off a week two weeks off and then we get yeah. two more episodes mm-hmm. it was just like there all was, over I'm, the place. I'm pretty sure there was a ten week period where two episodes aired and then it was off again. Um, that's just bonkers. See, season one wasn't much better, didn't it? Go off I think after five episodes for like eight nine. Especially with a, what, 15-episode season? Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, It it took them from January to June to earn 15 episodes. That was, like, that says all you need to know. It's Um, inspiring, if I'm being being nice. (laughs) (laughs) They made it work. But, um, no, I completely agree with what you guys are saying. Nobody really knows what the general episode count for tv is anymore ever th- since the pandemic like the, the ones that usually got the bigger end on the cw were walker and the flash but they're no longer 22 they're 13 now or sorry 18 and meanwhile the smaller shows have 13 and then you have a show like superman at lois which has been sliced and diced with an inch of its life now has 10 will the rest of the shows that come back back now have to have 10 for other reasons because of the delays of the strike will the seasons end up getting cut even shorter or like we we praise netflix for doing these six to eight episode seasons are we going to start seeing that happen on network tv because we they just won't have the time to do complete seasons because like that works with shows like Superman at Lois and um, Walker that tell overall stories. But in a show like something like 911 Lone Star, that it does ha- is on the bigger episode count on Fox. 
would it benefit from six episodes? I mean, like you and me read definitely oh agree gosh, that it absolutely six, was, right? Six episode season. What I don't even want to know what they would do with that. Six hour no, movie. Yeah, no time for <laughs> Rob Lowe filler in there. Um, but it's gonna be interesting to see how procedurals in particular would navigate those waters. I know the CW doesn't really have any of these, but I think it just highlights how kind of unprecedented the times are. Um we're still in uncharted waters three years later since Isn't the pandemic we're still living through history. Yeah, it's crazy to think now that you brought that up like all of the life cycles that Grey's Anatomy has lived through they were here at the first strike yeah <laughs> through COVID <laughs> the second strikes <laughs> still going amazing still going like, yeah they've weathered so many storms episode count wise that's crazy good for them anyway sorry Speaking that was a <laughs> intrusive thought <laughs> it's fine. well because i have one too which is um we don't well, i'm all specific to cw but if you could walk down the street to cbs and talk to whoever you need to talk to to get a note to the fbi people 15 episode season six please the best season is season three and it has 15 episodes I feel like we can just be tight right there. We don't mm-hmm. have to wait or no 18, no 20. They're not going to get 20 unless they're pushing them into the summer. But 15 episodes is nice. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to what worked in season three. And for the love of goodness, let Maggie and OA have episodes together. <laughs> and so you know who popularized, the person who popularized, I want to say, and maybe I'm, I don't know, I'm going to continue to speak in hyperbole viola davis when she signed on for how to get away with murder she was like i'm doing 15 that's it and i was like yeah yeah you better <laughs> <laughs> and she was right and yeah. i feel like not many people are following that that uh blueprint but i'm like when has viola ever been wrong mm-hmm. she probably has but like at the same time yeah but like um grant did the same thing with the flash season nine i think he wanted to sign on for no more than 15 because they were doing 18 at the time of course the cw insisted it could be 13 and no more but i think that just highlights the the kind of uncertainty when it comes to episode counts these days um cw ain't gonna go above 13 but at this stage i'm not sure we're gonna get 13 for any of those shows Mm -mm, because the acquisitions are eight episodes to 10 episodes correct so they they might try to do that formula. I know, if, I think, fight to survive, survive to fight, whatever the name of the... the, um, the we're fighting reality. and we're surviving. Yes, that's <laughs> what we're doing. The one where they're like, they give money for it. That's airing tonight, I believe. And so I'm, I think that's like eight episodes. It's eight or 10. But my, my problem with the eight to 10 range, though, is that that means you have to keep acquiring or making more content more often. And I, we already live in an age of peak TV. I'm, I cannot turn tune in to that much television. Why don't we just have things that run through the year that are a good thirteen to fifteen episodes? Mm-hmm. One goes tight. off, another goes on. Like we just, can you imagine how many? Do you eight to ten? That's probably like four shows on that slot. Five shows that mm-hmm. in a year. Sometimes eight to ten is just not enough, and they're starting to do that. I think it's the biggest disservice that the eight to 10 episode count go it's comedy really suffers um we're, we're gonna get a tangent it's happening naturally everybody get on board <laughs> <laughs> the netflix series blockbuster which i was the only one championing this show had i think it was eight episodes that is not whether it was eight or ten it was just not enough to launch that kind of comedy especially streaming 
especially workplace. Like it just what, and I know a lot of like the office, the first season was like five, six episodes. Seinfeld had like four or five episodes in his first season or maybe eight. I don't know. And obviously those became huge phenomenons, but like in this day and age, like it, we like to spend a little bit more time, especially in comedy. That's crazy to have four hours and that's your season of a comedy is just not enough to like, especially when you a workplace comedy where like the center of it is the were they or won't they romance. Like you just don't have enough time to, by the end of the fourth hour of the show to be like, I need these two characters to get together. You just don't care at that mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. so like in that vein i think eight to ten is a huge disservice to comedy yeah um no i i know we we always think less is more but you're absolutely right i think comedy is the one thing that could benefit from more episodes in general it's interesting that you brought up the office because i think early on in its run it was trying to mirror the uk one and uk comedies usually only are between like six episodes or so and it might have been mid-season that's why it was short but either mm -hmm. way yeah, but I feel like over in the UK, that's kind of acceptable. Whereas I think in the the thing the US did so well was these multi-episode comedies. You have things from different generations like Bewitched, I Dream of Genie that just went on for episodes upon episodes and you could just tune in and tune out. Nowhere are you going to get that kind of vibe from an eight-episode show on a streaming service. Absolutely not. And like you and me, Reed, were talking about Melissa and Joey the other day. How many episodes was in this third season? 37? Uh, it was like 30, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like that, that, that gives something life to grow. And I do... Everyone thinks comedies on television are on the way out. And it's hard to argue with that when the next generation is streaming and it's only eight high quality episodes. And you're like, you can't build an audience off that. It's, the comedies are supposed to last long. They're supposed to be frustrating. They're supposed to be ridiculous. I don't feel like that's no anywhere near enough to build up it that It forces kind of them to like have to, from the minute the person turns the episode on, the audience, they have to be invested, especially in streaming. Like because people aren't going to invest their time week to week like they would with The Office to be like, oh, what's the show all about? Like, mm -hmm. it forces the show to be, by like the second, third episode, it has to be in its groove. Like, there's no like, you know, slowly trying to find your tone or anything. And it can be different with drama because you can like plot out a story, but I don't know. Anyway, end of tangent. This isn't even what we were talking about. <laughs> it wasn't, but it's true, though. I, just to, so everyone is aware, though, we're talking about traditional comedy, not streaming does typically dramedy. So it's like, oh, but the bear does well. Like, yeah, but the bear is more drama than it is comedy. It just happens to be funny. But mm -hmm, like, yeah. that's not what Reed and Michael are talking about. Think uh, How I Met Your Father, if you're thinking about streaming, which they had to add, they added episodes because they yeah. knew that it they needed doubled to the flesh out. Yeah, they doubled the season two episode count and it works so well. Yeah, because comedy needs more episodes because <laughs> it's half hour typically. And then because it just grows differently from drama. Drama, you're like in it, like it's a trauma bond <laughs> a lot of the time with them. <laughs> so you're like immediately there with them because you've just seen them hit the ground. You're like, oh my God, I'm gonna lift you up too. We're gonna be on this journey together. Comedy doesn't have that. So you mm -hmm. need to be with them more, to love them more. Mm -hmm. It's such a tougher sell too. I think expectations are so much higher with comedy. I don't know, just in my own life, even at work, like comedy is one of my favorite genres and I feel like I'm the outlier. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like the thing that, that what I think uh, mainstream audiences now, what they connect with is I, also, we just have fewer comedies on the air mm -hmm. because they, they're not as popular as they were, I guess, nineties, two thousands. So there aren't as many, um, so it's harder to get one to hit and it's harder to get a lot of people to be
be on board to try all the different ones. I don't know if that connected to what we said before, but yeah, officially let's end the tangent because I could go <laughs> on forever. Yeah. <laughs> Episode kinds are evolving. That's what we were getting. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the point. Um, but we're in a new, it'll be interesting. I guess we'll be in a new era come 2024 as well as the networks figure out what they're going to do to fill their lineups. If they're still mm-hmm. not, if they still don't have their their heavy hitters, their tent poles ready to go. Um, speaking of a heavy hitter, though, moving into Nancy Drew, which, you know, if you haven't been sitting down, you've been standing up and listening to us, grab a chair, because <laughs> this review is going to feel a lot like our reviews of The Flash Season 9, and we're, I can't say I'm sorry about that, because it's really just how we feel. This was a messy episode, and um, and not in a, like fun way it was like was this when y'all got the call the show was canceled <laughs> type of way that's what's going on with this review michael how about you start since i feel like i'm gonna be here and you might at least be here <laughs> wait can i quickly preface that i did not watch the episode because i was busy i do plan on watching it but i wanted to hear we did an out of context one in episode season three so i was mm-hmm. like let's do this again um so I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this episode. <laughs> Read, get in the car, let's go on a journey because <laughs> buckled up. <laughs> this is gonna be something. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't know where to begin with this because we think feel like we have so many swirling thoughts about every arc that played out in the episode. Of course, we could maybe start with the main one, which is Nancy being kidnapped by the glasses and the sin eater sacrifice that could hopefully save Tristan's life. I have my biggest problem with the episode. We're trying to save Tristan's life. This man is dying. But still, also, sorry. Well, sorry. I mean, that's the plot of the episode. <laughs> He's going to die if no one saves Nancy, or if no one saves him at Nancy's, obviously the sacrifice that's supposed to save him. Our guy wasn't even in the episode. Now, how do you mm-hmm. take that seriously? What? No. Yeah, he wasn't here. No. How do they explain that? Weren't they kidnapped together? The, it's yeah. Just- Parents said that he was off. They had him recuperating, like from what was happening, and it's like, sure, okay, fine. Then we just go on with the rest of the episode as Nancy's like. In fact, the previous episode ended, and you think you're gonna get an episode where like maybe her dads are gonna spend the whole thing looking for her, or maybe Tristan and her are going to work together to try to convince mm. his parents not to sacrifice her. I mean, because they did spend the previous episode going, "We're soulmates, yay!" Like, and that just didn't that didn't happen. In fact, Michael, how did you feel about the fact that we really got out of that plot fast? Like Ryan saves her, and that's it. Like, um, as far as mm. what I mean. She still almost gets sacrificed, but it just, as far as the rescuing part, we did that quickly. Very quickly. At first you were like, oh, wait, because Nancy asked one of her, her, one of Nancy's final requests was that she asked Mr. Glass, don't know that man's name. She asked Mr. Glass if she could see what the sin that she was supposed to have washed away as, and he used whatever artifact it was, and she started seeing it, and she saw fire, but it was instantly interrupted because Ryan showed up like Batman, burst through the door, threw a smoke pellet, broke this man's arm and grabbed Nancy and pulled her out of there. And I was like, this has been 30 seconds. I have no idea what to feel about this. It just came so quickly. It happened in the beginning of the episode. So, yeah, right. I think it was the first scene, wasn't it? Nancy mm-hmm. came too. She asked for this request. Shelby left. She knew that the, the father, the father is, he's he was easier to break. So Nancy was like, show me, show me. He went to show her. And then she saw, as soon as she saw those flames, Ryan burst in, saved her, pulled her out. 
credits had. And I was like, I have no idea what to feel like this. I was overwhelmed in 30 seconds. I apologize if this is getting ahead of the episode, but do we know what she was erasing? Not yet. Not yet, but we know what it could mean. <laughs> I was bit. so mad about the reveal. Let's just skip ahead a little bit. Yeah, that's so, a... Reed, so you remember you were, I think you were saying that the ghost storyline has to connect to whatever it is that Nancy supposedly did. It does connect to whatever Uh-oh. Nancy supposedly did. And Ace is involved too somehow. The explanation oh, no. seems to be that potentially the both of them were either present or responsible for the death of the ghost in, in the, the morgue. Oh no. I hate yeah. being right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't like it connects, but it's also Nancy's like, this is why you're so close to the ghost and why she attached to you in the morgue. Cause like she, but you think that you might have killed her. So she's attached to her murderer. When? Is that what we're saying? Attached how? Emotionally attached. We went full ghost love story this episode too. Yeah. Um, Interesting. I didn't like that because the ghost said, yes, I don't know who I am. I don't know. I don't remember anything about my life, but I know I've never felt this way about anyone or anything before. I was like, Really? You don't know anything about your former life, but you know, you've never felt like this about a person you met maybe what, well, no, no, in Nancy Drew's timeline four hours ago, um, really. Um, and yes, of course, is getting attached because he's never felt like this about anyone since Nancy. Like, dude, chill, it's been like four weeks, two weeks, one day, who knows with this timeline. Um, yeah, they didn't have enough time to make that feasible, in my opinion. Wait, 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 wait. So... No, okay, continue. <laughs> so, like, the chemistry is really doing the heavy lifting. Very much so. Between like, Alex and Kennedy? Uh, no, between Alex and the woman who plays the ghost. Oh, love that. Yeah, like, it's real. they have great chemistry. It's the only thing that's selling it right now. Like, the dialogue is not doing it for me. Because mm-hmm. he's standing, like, we see her again, but she's usually in the first parts of the episode. She appears blurry in the background, looking like an angel. And he's like talking to her through um, through a radio. It's very much giving Mike an 11 from Stranger Things. And they're just communicating with one another. And he's just like, I just feel like I can just talk to you. It's just so nice to be able to talk to someone. And I'm like, that's great. But we are, y'all are almost giving hopelessly like in love. And you've been talking for 72 hours um which is just amazing i mean we can't say what putting your arms into a freezing sink of water <laughs> does to a person <laughs> well that's we true say. oh but they were able to touch this episode and yeah. okay, very confusing yeah well she so after we should probably talk about the seder first because it happens after the seder right michael yeah yeah uh, so ace's big plot this episode is that he has to lead the seder and his father is like, I don't know if he's ready. And he's he's micromanaging in the background. But Ace is like, I can do it. So Ace spends a good part of the episode speaking with Miss Ghost and explaining to her about the Seder and what it's um why it's important and the things that he has to do. And then they all sit to have the Seder with Nancy not invited, interesting enough. Um, and uh, he's leading it and whatnot, but Nancy spent her time. She stole his ID so because she needs to talk to the ghost. 
because she believes that she's responsible for the ghost's death. So while he's trying to lead the dinner and lead everyone through the questions and the portions of the Seder. In the claw, by the way. In the the claw, yes. Oh, because that's according to Ace's mom, that's his house. And as the head of as that since he's the head of the claw, since that's his house, we were we were really stretching. I was like, what set do we not have? Yeah, we they were like, we didn't have the money to keep Ace's house set. (laughs) Uh, We had Nancy's house and um what's her we can never remember the name of her castle oh, <laughs> Icarus, Icarus Hall, Hall. Icarus Hall. God, I almost said like I don't know what I almost said and the claw we they're like we have three sets yeah <laughs> I love re- when final seasons do this though because it's so funny <laughs> when they're like getting married somewhere random and it's like oh you just didn't want to do it you couldn't afford outside and you were trying not to be photographed oh my god i love tv so much it's so fun okay continue especially when you can see it and you know you're probably right because like carson was there and abbas and george were there everybody was there but nancy wasn't jean was there as well miss jean um they literally had every single person there attending at at the claw even though the claw didn't mean anything to these people so yeah um but of course nancy didn't get an invite because plot Yes. They've got to be losing money at the claw, though, because, like, <laughs> the amount of times that they just close it for spirit- supernatural shenanigans and whenever they want is like, they got to be in the red. <laughs> <laughs> you would think. But so they're, they're doing the Seder, and it's lovely. It truly, like, we have. Um, Favorite scene of the episode, yeah. Yeah. And the, everyone is being respectful, and they're sitting and they're listening um, and they're learning as, as Ace leads them through the dinner. And then. In comes Nancy like a whirlwind because she's figured out how she needs to do whatever. She's going to call the ghost because the ghost came with Ace to the claw because apparently she's not attached to the morgue anymore for reasons. It's, um, and as she's doing this, the ghost freaks out. And suddenly we have like a storm, like a gale force winds going through the Seder. And Reed, when you said you loved it, this was peak comedy. Ace's mom is like, is it me or is there a breeze? <laughs> <laughs> and me, her hair is like blowing over her face. Like, it's more than a breeze. And, and then the power goes out and everything is still blowing. And he's like, I yeah. don't know what's happening. It's like clearly supernatural things are happening. Yeah. And they're all like shouting at each other. Yes, I think you're making it worse. And you're like, it's these people think it's a breeze. They really turned a really testful, nice scene into like comedy. And I, don't know whether it was successful for the right reason don't get me wrong we were we were laughing at it but we we're like come on now because yes suggested it might have been a fan at the back so when yes went out and it got worse they're like yes i think you're making it worse like you really thought this was a breeze of all things like people are blowing around the dining room everything's falling <laughs> off um carson <laughs> and gene are having an argument and shouting at each other and mess <laughs> it's just a mess and they were supposed to be on roses that is where we were at the because his mom was like I guess they were at the soup portion of the Seder and she's, she asked George, well, no, she asked Bess, do they have better bowls? And so we were, he was really trying to tell the story. It's about the parting of the Red Sea, I believe. And then in comes like all of this. And so you get a nice argument because he realizes that that's Nancy in the back messing with his ghost girlfriend. And he's like, leave her alone. And then he's, 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 he's she's like, I have to solve the mystery. So he's like, if you do that, then she passes on. And I don't want her to do that because this is the the most I've felt since since us. And I was like, what? Um, um, we're doing it again. We're doing it again. As like, it, it just as like, y'all are at a place where you're arguing with your pseudo ex, um, about your current flame, who's dead, 
Like not even like undead. She's Minor just detail. <laughs> not did, here. did they resolve that? Did they help her pass on? Uh, not yet. That's what the the episode ends with her coming to see Ace to let him know like we have to. I think we're responsible. I think that's why she's connected to you. I, I think we're somehow we're tied to to it because a timestamp on her picture down at at the senior's mirror um, is twenty minutes after she got off the phone with Ace. And she thinks Ace might have been with her. If you remember that episode, she was standing in front of her um, mystery board. So she must have figured something out. And might have called him again. So they could both go investigating. Because then that episode, they had investigated together anyway. So I don't know. The the ties are there. But they're loose. They're not tight. (laughs) So I don't know how that's going to work. But I do know that people are excited to see Nancy and Ace investigate again. That's what all the tweets were last night. I'm trying to see how this story, like, how did y'all end up killing somebody? I feel like um, just based on, like, emotional stakes, it feels like, and of course I haven't seen the episode, but it feels like this Ace plot could have happened sooner. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it would have carried far more weight and had more legs if it did. We wouldn't have been sitting watching it. Like, no, as Sabrina said, um, Ace and the Ghost, great chemistry, super cute. But you're sitting watching their scenes almost like on a clock, thinking there's two episodes left. Why are we doing this now? Um, and it, went, it would have been far much uh, more fulfilling to watch it earlier. It's the same the way they've only really pulled the trigger on Nancy and Tristan now. And yet we were completely on board with this early on because the distraction is fun. We, la- we like a distraction every now and again. And yet they waited until the last five episodes to really make it go um so it feels like everything's kind of falling apart a little bit because they ran them all together and now they've the whole literally nothing's been resolved we two episodes left everything's up in the air nancy and i think they've killed someone and used the sin eater to wash away their sins before they figured out it was actually tristan so of course the fans were right their two other halves their new flames are now t- tied into their overall arc but like where do we go from here we have two episodes left I know. And so when you have that great moment between Ace and the ghost where she materializes and he's like, how can you do that? And she's like, I think because of the power of, was she um, inferring that's the power of their connection to one another? I think so. Okay. Because. Can everyone see her? Not to interrupt. I just forgot to ask that before. No. (laughs) Um, Yeah. She wasn't talking the best, right? In the previous episode, like Beth was like, I can't get in. She couldn't hear her. Things were just moving, but they, she couldn't hear her. Yeah. And then in this episode, she was going to start appearing to us. And the minute was it Beth or Nancy walked in, she disappeared. So either I'm not, maybe the other people would be able to see her if she showed herself, but it seems to be that she doesn't want anyone to see her other than us or, or it's just the power of her connection means that he can see her and nobody else can. But they can touch now, Reed. um, And it was, I thought the the beat was too long. We were there for a while with the, with this finger touch, but they were finger touching, and they like they touched fingers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was giving just, just like et. Yeah, yeah. And, so and I... then it slowly went into the hands, and there was like a mm-hmm. moment where they just like stood and looked and looked and looked and looked, and then we cut away. I yeah. know Ugh, Nancy and Ace fans. I'm sorry. Like I know that's got to be brutal. We had the. They had the the candlelight scene with Nancy and Tristan last season, last episode. Now they got, oh, it's rough. Sorry about that. Oh, 
even refer i forgot so you remember in the opening in the the text messages from the premiere i think he wanted to invite nancy to say this seder and um he had said he'd always wanted to bring a date he didn't invite nancy to the seder he invited the ghost as his date no one else knows she's there but Bess. but like he was like do you wanna go like then she does she just hangs out in the freezer with him as he's preparing for the thing she just follows him all over the claw Wherever he is, she is. And I'm just like, I know that hurt. Like for shippers, because you would think this would have been the episode that he would have been like, I'd always wanted you to come. Are you going to come? And then we're not together. But that's not what he did. He didn't write her at all. And Carson felt weird about it. Carson's like, oh, I thought, you know, she was invited. Yeah, why is Carson there and Nancy's not? Because uh, Ace's parents invited him and Jean. Interesting. You feel like Sabrina, should we talk then about Carson and Jean then? Is that a good point to bring that up? Oh, no. It is. Oh, no. Okay, so what cliche read could they have possibly given these two if you think about TV? I, is she pregnant? <laughs> got it, got it, Mom. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, yeah. I need to lie down. <laughs> <laughs> yes so nancy goes to track down the was it emt michael or um who yeah. had been with the yeah. ghost um not the ghost when she was alive but like, I'm I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> like i can't believe it i'm sorry okay i had to get that out yeah well she went to a hospital in trenton and lo and behold um gene was there and um nancy was like why are you here she's like bunions i no, have bunions <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she's, she's like Trenton has like the best podiatrists in wherever and it was really awkward and then Nancy looked at the sign and where Jean came from is not where the podiatrist is but she didn't ask any questions I, I know. why does anybody try lying to Nancy Drew's face like, <laughs> what have we learned in a year <laughs> yeah, right and so Carson was like well this morning I don't remember anything, seeing anything on her foot but okay when he was like when Nancy was talking to him because she didn't know his, her dad didn't know that he she would want to go check her bunions so at the Seder Carson just being the loveliest boyfriend was like you know you can slip your shoes off right they say that at a Seder you're supposed to be comfortable and I know you have the bunion so like and so just just slip your shoe off and be comfortable she's like what are you talking about See, I don't want to take my shoes off I'm fine <laughs> I know so then they're just arguing and then she yells I'm pregnant but like by the time she does the wind has died down so Everyone everyone heard it even Nancy. I mean, at that point Nancy had already known though right or she just suspected I don't know what she suspected I mean it's either life-threatening illness or pregnancy you only got two options there yeah there was kind of that awkward moment where after Jean I thought Jean was a little mean to Carson because he kept going on about the bunions. I was like, yes, but you you started this lie. He he, all oh, that that sweet man only wanted her to be so comfortable. She, my feet are fine. Leave my feet alone. Leave me alone. <laughs> and then because she shouted, "I'm pregnant," at him just as the wind died down and everyone heard it, she stormed out. Um, and I mean, I know I understand that she didn't want to announce that in front of everyone. But I was like, it's not Carson's fault. Bless him. All he wanted to do was make sure you were fine and comfortable. And then Nancy had that awkward moment where she walked in and was like, "I'm guessing it's not bunions." It's like, okay, did you not hear like, that? More like bun in the oven. <laughs> Sorry, right. that's a bad, bad, bad joke. <laughs> but like, and so then they have an awkward conversation um, where like Carson and Jean are discussing this pregnancy. And he's like, well, I know it's your decision. She's like, yeah, I know that. But 
like, I want to factor how you feel in too, because, you know, you raised Nancy, she's like grown, like you have all this freedom and now you wouldn't. And I was like, and then she said something about, it seemed like she had, was very stuck on the freedom part. And I was like, Jean, are, what are you trying to say? Are you saying you don't want this pregnancy, but you haven't gotten there yet? Are you saying you do want the pregnancy uh, and you want Carson to be there, but you're not sure if Carson is going to be? I mean, both of you are on a relationship, though. So, I, And he's not the type of dude to be like, I'm not going to be involved. So I don't, with two episodes left, I'm like, why did we get this in? Because mm-hmm. now I'm, I'm like, what are we doing? I am more concerned with how Nancy would feel because that has to be troubling that her adoptive father is having a biological child. Possible if she's gotten there, but there's also the big age gap. Then the fact that like she didn't, her she, her mom and her wouldn't have a tie to this baby. Um, how does she feel about her dad having another kid with another woman? This was his first outing she's into the dating to... world. Between that and everything else, there's a lot to cover in two episodes. Yeah. I, Maybe um, she'll just surprise us and be like, cool, a sibling, fun. And Maybe. we don't even know if she knows now because she did make that awkward joke when she came out and everyone did hear it. But did Nancy hear it? Did Nancy not hear it? We we never followed up on that because Nancy was so worried about her own life because the glasses had planted like a paralytic in, the, in her spine that if she didn't turn up to the place where they wanted her to sacrifice Tristan, she would be paralyzed and then die. Good Lord. Um, so uh, she was trying to figure this out. Um, I guess we should get back to the main plot before we wrap up. Um, oh no, don't bamboozle she, me again. She uh, <laughs> she uh, had to turn, didn't like this. Tristan texted her being like, got away from my folks, meet me. And she was like, Tristan, I ran out to meet him. I said, like, come on now. Come on now. <laughs> she knows that. It could possibly be Tristan, girl. Yeah, of course. Because it, because the text said, meet me, she instantly thought of the seashell that said, meet me. Which, remember, the glasses spotted the other day. So, of course, then you or manipulated her using those words. She ran out and was like, Tristan. And then Shelby came out of nowhere. And she was like, no, please. And Shelby activated the paralytic. She was down. She could not move. Um, so then they like tied her to like some kind of ritualistic sacrifice board in the ground um in that little spot of the woods that everybody literally uh, is in whenever they want to do a storyline in the woods um meanwhile best try to break into the historical society to get what is it a device that would repel the sin eater mm-hmm. and that horrible um woman Callie, uh, who now runs the historical society was going to call the police but long story short read remember the cabin in the woods that was taking the photos of the people who uh washed away their sins. It turns out that was Callie's family who owned the cabin. And uh, she was using that as as a bit of a side hustle to blackmail the people who had washed away their sins to extort them for some money. Um, Ryan discovered this. So basically, when she tried to call the police on Bess, they came to an understanding that uh, it turns out that she wants to protect the sin eater, Callie, wants to protect the sin eater so that she can continue to extort people who wash away their sins. So she helped the Drew crew stop the glasses, save Nancy's life by using a device. Yes, the sin eater, by the way, showed up doing like an exorcist walk and almost took a big chunk out of Nancy's neck. But right as that happened, Callie showed up with the repellent. It repelled the sin eater away. Um, everybody saved. They all live happily ever after. No, not really. Um, but um, now... Shelby is like not Shelby what's that woman's name Callie is like the sin eater's mine I got rid of the glasses for uh, trying to mess with it if you try to mess it your fate will go the same way 
So now it turns out the glasses aren't the big bad of the season. Callie's the big bad of the season, even though we thought Callie was a hero in this episode because she saved Nancy's life. It's just, remember what I said earlier on about Whiplash? All this stuff's happening. It looks cool on paper. It all happens in the space of five minutes that you're left thinking. I felt nothing about that at all. Sounds confusing. Well, it is, but also, so there's that. And then there's like, the glasses aren't even the one. They're sacrificing Nancy, but it's Tristan who has to actually kill her, which he would, he doesn't know that because he's been transformed. Um, so it's like there, when his mom went, one day you'll understand, it's like one day he's going to understand that in order to save him, you made him kill the girl he likes. That's, yeah. that's the thing that he's going to understand one day. Like the, we went full on toxic parent. <laughs> like I just don't. And then with Callie, I felt like the reveal that she, actually does believe in the supernatural and is um um she's uh, now she's suddenly all about money because the historical society is now a gift shop where she's selling keychains and postcards um and the you remember how she was she stood up in front of everybody and she was just like these things need to be under lock and key like Bess is like putting the kids in danger george's sister and um, George's sister's girlfriend are just stealing these books from from a bookcase. That's just, there's no lock or anything. She can actually <laughs> see them from the cast register, doesn't care at all. So, I was like, so it's not about public safety. You just wanted the historical society. So you could, you could sell your wares out of an official building in town. But we didn't have time to stop to talk about that because a lot was happening in the episode. So I'm like, when did it come out commerce? Yes. Mm-hmm. Just like what? Okay, <laughs> enjoy whatever money you're gonna make off of postcards and keychains. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's what she's just a hustler. She don't care about um what's going on in the town as far as the parents who don't believe in the supernatural or think it's too dangerous for her to be around. She just wants money, and that was a major flip that came out of nowhere. Yeah. So as um, far as she's concerned, she can control the supernatural, and she doesn't want Bess saving people from it she doesn't want them exposing that she thinks the supernatural can be used fine if it's under her control so now she basically has not control of the sin eater but she has she won't let anyone save tristan so i feel like is she the big bad bad we're going forward is she really even that big of a bad because like Bess could just mm, 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 twinkle her out of existence and nobody would shed a tear what were we going there's two episodes left it's just it's just weird this whole episode was just weird there's a lot going on to wrap up things i feel like it made more of a mess um oh george and and nick were arguing all episode too about how the girls were getting the items that Bess needed he was very much in the vein of they shouldn't be stealing and granted i enjoyed the dad thing of it all uh, there's this great moment, Reed, where he catches the girls and he's like outside now. And he knows, and he knows um, the youngest, one of the youngest ones is on a step because he calls her name and then she comes down the step and he's like, you two, we're going to, we're going to talk about this. <laughs> we're going to talk about this. He's very much a dad. And he even talks to that same one about like why he's arguing with, with George, who, because the, the judge, Judge Abbott wants to sacrifice himself. For Nancy, because now that he knows about everything that he did, he feels really guilty and he he's not hasn't been able to settle and George wasn't taking his call. So he offered to present a sin to the mirror so that the sin eater would come after him instead of Nancy. And George was like, solid idea. 
let's do it. And Nick was like, it's not a life for a life. We're not, we're not doing that. She's like, well, the man wants to, I didn't get, I didn't suggest it to him. He's like, but if you don't stop him from doing it, then you're like, you're just as bad. And she called him Moses because that's where they were in the Seder at the time. And the entire, and then her sister comes over and he, she explains that, you know, Moses led the people. He did, he stood by his principles and he did the thing. And you, and shouldn't you do that? Shouldn't you like see where George is coming from, but also find another way? And he was like, yeah. And the entire time I was like, all that is true. That's young Moses. Older Moses did not make it to the promised land, which is not the point of the story. But I was, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I did, I did sit there like, yeah, but Moses didn't make it to the promised land though. He did eventually disobey. That was like the whole thing. That was the lesson after he did everything. Let me not go right into Bible study. <laughs> like, let me just move on past that because that's not where we are. But I did have to pause and be like, that's not, okay, fine. I, I guess we'll just do, we'll go with it. Set my people free. Let my people go, well, Moses. I feel like maybe I'm on Georgia's side. I'm like, let's wrap this up. <laughs> I kind of was too. Like, I, I thought what she just wanted was for Judge Abbott to be a distraction, not that she was willing to let this man die, just that they could take the heat off of Nancy and figure out what they're going to do. And I get why they had Nick do what he did, but it's also like, couldn't he have just provided another way? Because there's also a subplot of them not not seeing head to like eye to eye because he was going on a road trip with Jade and and George felt There's bad a lot about happening. My goodness. Yeah. Yeah. But I feel like maybe we just leave Nick out of the loop sometimes. We stop running things past him. <laughs> <laughs> they tried, but the girls can't lie. Like the girls are like very like very fishy um in front of him. And he's like, I know my kids are doing something illegal. I'm gonna find out what it is. <laughs> Yeah, um, and I saw the whole George and Nick conflict coming from a mile off because she said early on about something about redemption. Some people aren't worthy of redemption and Nick's face just dropped. Tell me you don't really believe that. And so he's like, okay, they're going to butt heads over this. Of course, Judge Abbott comes in, wants to sacrifice himself. It gives him the perfect thing to catalyst for that conflict and it all blows up. George did make a good point because Nick was like, you're letting this man sacrifice himself. You're taking away his chance of redemption. And George was like, yes, but if I talked him out of it, I would then be choosing him over Nancy, which is the exact same thing. It's not my decision. It's not my, I shouldn't be put in the decision where I have to choose one life over another. So George chose inaction over action. And I'm like, none of this conversation's right. None of these very people philosophy. are on the right. But yeah, it's very philosophical for a subplot of an episode that was all about subplots. Yeah. I don't know. Is it bad that I would have been like, go ahead, Abbott. <laughs> 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 obviously think, in the end he didn't have to sacrifice himself yeah, well, and also i think that like the point was for nick to see george's side of things that he was like he was being too stringent like he's our noble hero but sir sometimes i know i love that about him up. but i'm like sometimes we got to meet some people at their level mm-hmm and she's um, he really felt taking the task because she reminded him that judge abbott assaulted somebody mm-hmm and, and well not you know he didn't so he covered up an assault so she's like you're not a good dude i don't feel bad peace mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was her <laughs> it was like it's like in oh i don't want to i don't want to spoil outer banks for everybody but it reminds me of a certain somebody who sacrificed themselves to save everybody it was like thank you we still hate you but thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh i feel like 
that's an excellent segue into Heartstopper. <laughs> yes, but, let's lighten it up. <laughs> yes. So like just to wrap connect you up real quick. We didn't really like the episode, y'all, but if y'all enjoyed it, we're happy for you. Um we got two more episodes left. Uh hopefully the penultimate episode gives in the finale makes us cry. Yeah. Thoughts and prayers. We're hoping, we're hoping. We're reaching. Fingers crossed. I'll let everybody know what I thought next week. <laughs> But moving into Heartstopper, um, we are very excited to be doing a review of season two. We did a review of season one, um, and it's just like the loveliest show. To me, it's the best young adult coming of age series out right now. Like, I just really think so. Um, the others are not on that level. And I mean, that's okay. We can have mid-tier teen shows, but like Heartstopper just really gives you what you want from a, from a YA coming of age drama that is also educational as far as like emotional intelligence. Yeah, I don't know how they balance this and pull it off so well, because like you said, it is educational in the sense that everything that happens is so important that what's written is so important but it doesn't come off like sunday school special like we're here to teach it doesn't feel preachy Mm -hmm. it just feels honest and real in a way that i don't think has been presented in coming of age stories at least not in the last few years where the best way that i can explain it is just no matter who you are you can find a place to be seen. And I think that's why it hits for so many people is like, and it hit isn't even it like, it just t- pummels you. It like tackles you with just like emotion and happiness, maybe even some bitter sweetness in there. Just because any of the, all of the characters, there's an entryway for somebody to feel seen in a way that they probably hadn't been seen before in a teen show so earnest and like you said honest and daring and I think that's the important thing because it, yeah it's a lovely show and it's a really lighthearted and fun show but it's also so important in what it does and I think the whole lighthearted element of it is what makes it like that um it's such a positive inspiration and beacon of hope for a lot of people a lot of young people a lot of young queer people at the moment and I think you see online so many people saying that they never had shows like that growing up and I think that's why this stands apart as something so the story is so simple in the best kind of way but it's real and it's endearing uh we in our line of work we pick a lot of tv shows up and put them down and have to quickly move on to the next one and the next one it's been like two weeks since i've watched this and it's stayed at the forefront of my mind since then um and i remember the exact same thing happened with season one and when we when we were all raving about it in our season one review um and i just love the fact that a year on a season on eight more episodes on it we can still say the all the exact same things we said last season but take it to the next level it's rare that you get a show um that's every bit as good if not better in its second season and this nailed that it's just it, it was it's beautiful it's it's a, a lovely tv show i'm used to british teen dramas there's a lot of them on in the uk but like never has one been so enthusiastic and endearing as this and I think that's what sets it apart from all the rest not just in the UK but in the rest of the world and we need more programs like this and we need like middle of growing up shows like because they they are very I'm a big champion of teen content that skews a little younger um because like the babies need it like they need content like for me heartstopper is 
at least when we're talking just about Netflix shows, it's like they're with people who might be, have aged out a little of the babysitter's club Mm -hmm. or did enjoy Julie and the Phantoms. Like it's just a road to being able to see kids like yourself or like kids like, you know, and get the lessons you need to learn without it being like, and I'm I'm only saying this because I love Degrassi, but it was very public service announcement, like drama, 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 all the time. Tackle the issues. Yes. And like Heartstopper does talk, tackle the issues, but it does so in a way that feels very safe, very familiar. Like, we're not going to spoil what happens in the season, but I feel like we can talk about some plot elements. Like for instance, Charlie has his first boyfriend and he is not doing his coursework. Like that is relatable for a lot of kids. It's their first outing into dating. They're, they're deeply in like with the person that they, who likes them back. They don't really want to concentrate on their schoolwork because at this point their schoolwork is boring. Like, why could I, why would I do that when I could go run out in the park with Nick, with my dog, like with his, with his dog? Why would I do that when we could like hang out together, you know, listen to music or, and on the opposite side of that, this is Nick's, I'm assuming his first relationship or his first serious relationship and he's getting his schoolwork done. That's also relatable. Like, it's just, there's just something about this show where all the characters are going through something a little bit different but it's age appropriate and it it very much lives in the pocket of like stakes the the stakes are high for them even if it's low stakes as a whole series and i think that's good you i think we need content where it's low stakes but important and it's about you know being able to come into your own and being able to discover who you are and express that and be able to share that and be able to communicate it and also recognizing that it can be scary uh, and that you need support. This whole show is supportive. I love that it's character driven Mm -hmm. in that vein. It's not driven by plot. And I know this is one thing that we talked about in the season two finale that one of the last shots we were like, oh no, what's good? Is something bad going to happen? Is is something like going to happen? And that was like our usual teen drama brain or like, the the brain that watches too much tv too many like we got to get the sweeps week like headline in there but quickly i was like this is not that show it has never been that show they're not going to take the the quick like oh something bad's going to happen to this character just for the sake of plot and that's something i really respect that it's such a simple show and sometimes simple can be can have a negative connotation. If you call somebody simple, it means they're not smart or something. But I think simplicity can be beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's really in the details of what Alice writes in the show with these characters. There's so much care taken with each of them and each of the pairings. Even in season two, we got to see, like like you were saying, like season two is better than the first. And that's not to put down the first season. It's just the way that it expanded on what worked, expanded the universe, it it just felt, I don't know, it was the way that I've never seen the second season really say, what sophomore slump? Like, we're staying mm-hmm. true to ourselves and we're going to build upon it. Like, we saw so many other perspectives, like Isaac and um, the teachers. Like, we get the a perspective of somebody who's older, who's reflecting on 
their experience as a queer person coming out later in life. Like, I don't think that's a story that gets told either because there are so many older people, including us and older people, <laughs> watching the show and feeling something about it because for a lot of us, it's fantasy. Like, I know in my experience, I didn't have, I was a Charlie, I didn't have a Nick in high school. So being able to watch this, there's like a sense of mourning and experience that I didn't have. But also feeling this, I like I can relate to Mr. Fruit, who's watching these boys run around this hotel and being blissful and happy, but feeling like resentful. But then realizing that like each, every queer, every, not even just queer people, everybody's on their own journey. No timing is correct. And I think that's one of the biggest messages that I got from season two. Each character is on their own journey of like coming into their own like it's not just Nick grappling with coming out. It's each person trying to figure out the timing and realizing like, oh, one thing's not better than the other. And to the subtlety that Alice wrote that in the store, the season, like in awe, like you're, she, they're not hitting us over the head with it at all. It's just like subliminal and you can pick up on it. And I think that's another reason why five to 50, the show will hit. <laughs> like you'll find something. It'll make you feel full stop. It'll make you feel anything. And it's so it's necessary, especially constantly saying it in this world. <laughs> like you just need an entry, even when it gets a little bit darker and it touches on those realities, those hard truths, it's done so in a way where the characters have room to express those feelings. And I'm going to, okay, I keep bringing up this book that I'm reading about teen dramas. And I'm sure Sabrina and Michael are tired of me, even though you guys said you weren't. Um, but I'm in the middle of the Dawson's Creek chapter. And do you guys remember that headline I shared with you where someone said, uh, a teen show I will not name is the best teen drama since Dawson's Creek? Not going to get into that discourse. But I will say, I think there is a Venn diagram between Heartstopper and Dawson's Creek in the sense that in this book, Kevin Williamson, who created Dawson's Creek, said that he his vision for Dawson's Creek was to create a show about teenagers who could articulate themselves in the way they wish they could. Because like when you're a teenager, you have big feelings, but you can't always like communicate those in a way that you want to. Like you just feel things, but you don't have the language to express it. So in that show, these kids talk with heightened language they have SAT vocabulary they're very emotionally intelligent even when they're not like they can express themselves and I think the show does the same thing it's like same but different like these characters are so honest and open even when they're not like they get to a place where they can communicate in a way that I think teenagers should and I think that's beautiful too like there's space for that that kind of vision that's not like, I don't know how many people could relate to Dawson's Creek in like in the in the sense of like the language that they used. Um, it was very like, it was just heightened. But when you watch this, it's like so similar, but not, I don't want to say like watered down or any way. It's just so realistic, even more so than any other like uh, teen drama that, was free of any genre elements like 
I'm rambling, but I had to get all that out. <laughs> you hit so many nails on so many heads there. Um, yeah, I can't argue with any of that. I feel like this show, it takes the best. British drama is used to telling realistic stories, but a lot of them can be traumatic or um, disheartening. I think this has taken the best of that and the best of what we love about teen dramas and created the perfect blend of such an uplifting story of what life should be like for young people in love, irrespective of who they love. And um. I feel like you, what you mentioned is so on point. There's not an awful lot of movement on the show. Um, like we even look at season what, two taking place days, a, a day after season one. There's not an awful lot of movement, but there's so much emotional movement. Yeah, I believe it's the next day, I believe, yeah. Um, uh, which, I mean, if you've been watching your Nancy Drew conversations, that can be frustrating when they pack too much into it. What I love about Heartstopper is that it never feels like there's too much packed into it. And I say that after a season that managed to expand on the story, expand on the cast and make it more of an ensemble piece. It just feels like everything that happens is so important to the characters. They, they feel it and thus we feel it. It's a character-driven story, like Reed said, um, in that, yeah, of course, the biggest thing that happened this season was that they went to Paris and compared to season one, that's kind of huge. But generally, the stakes, like Sabrina said, are lower, but they're so much higher to the characters because it's a more realistic story. It's a more relatable story. And because because it's happening to them and we care about them, we care about the story. And we, as you both said, we can feel something from it. We can look back on it as older people and see what it meant to us back then, what it could have been to us, but at the same time, what it could have been to so many people. It's so accessible for people of all ages that anybody can take something from it. And I think that's what's so important. We love these characters and we love these stories and seeing a little slice of their life and just eight episodes, it never gets old. Um, I'm even more excited for season three now than I was for season two after season one dropped. Uh, it's just such an, oh, not to, not to, no pun intended, heartfelt <laughs> show. Um, yeah, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't they, love it more. They take, just like Dawson's Creek, they take adolescent emotions seriously where mm -hmm. you feel the gravity and the weight of just saying I love you to somebody. Like, that's the biggest, like, that's the, Serena said, we're not going to spoil. I'm not listening. That was the big thing <laughs> is like the decision to say those three words like that is huge. And I feel like that used to be in TV of yesteryear, like um, saying I love you. Like that was like a big, big moment in shows. And in, in these days, like we expect a little bit more from plots. But the it, like it's it's crazy that they successfully made the weight of saying i love you like if it, it feels like a life or death thing because it does when you're young it really it does they've also done a great job of explaining that communication is hard mm. regardless of what you're, you're talking about like how do you even if it's like not a necessarily an emotional thing like something terrible happened and i'm trying to address it with you it's just like how do I form the words to tell you what's going on with me? Or like, especially when I feel like it's burdensome or I don't want to put more on your plate because I know you're going through a lot. Like, I feel like the way Heartstopper does it, like it's 
it is how teens would do it. But it's also like if you are an adult who has struggles with emotional connection or communicating properly, it's also kind of like a roadmap and a guide for you too. Like if you're watching it as an older person, like, dang, do I do that? Am I over here in the corner not saying anything or I'm telling you I'm fine when I'm I'm not fine or am I only giving you like a little sprinkling of what's going on in my life? It helps to be like, yeah, everyone's doing that. Like these kids are doing it too. And these kids are struggling to tell each other what's going on home in their life or why they're not doing well in, in some area of it. Even if it's not, what I liked was the whole season isn't about coming out. It's about, like, it is about that specifically for Nick, um, but it's also about his comfort and his and being able to do it on his time while also recognizing that it's important to Charlie, even if Charlie doesn't say, says, you can take your time. Charlie's saying exactly what he needs to say, but Nick is also reacting to that in the way that he needs to react. Like, considering what happened in Charlie's previous situation with Ben, who we shall not speak on. Um, well, I shall not speak on Ben. Um, good luck to Ben in his other endeavors. Uh, <laughs> but like, but it's also, it's like being able to recognize some in the group, like Isaac's story is about figuring out where he lands on a spectrum, recognizing, like being able to feel that out and test it. Like, uh, oh, why's his name? Taos is being, com- like asking out his friend. Like, how do I, how, she's my best friend. I don't want to mess it up. And then Elle is all about what, like, yes, the Tao situation, but what she wants to do with her life. And what, and and allowing like, herself to be the main character yes. of her own life. And allowing herself to have a life outside of her friend group, who she loves immensely, but who she looks to be growing past just because she has different interests in them and wants to focus in a, in a different way. So there's just so much going on in this friend group. Uh, that like anyone can connect to whether mm-hmm. it's it's struggling with the the potential loss of a friend not by death just by moving <laughs> um the struggling with sharing your relationship or being honest about your home life or in Imogene's case recognizing that you just like a boy because he likes you <laughs> or you think he likes you like that's also a thing I, I love that moment when they're asking her about her relationship and they, I don't remember who, but is it Elle? She's like, do you even like him? Mm-hmm. Yep. And like, and that is very, that is not only teen, that does happen with adults too, where you're looking at your friend like, all I'm hearing is negativity. I'm not seeing how this benefits you. Do you like this person? Or do you mm-hmm. like being in a relationship? Because those are two different things. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why the show works so well, because like y- y'all just said, it's the teenage experience through so many different eyes. Um, so many different perspectives not a single thing happens in the show that you're like that's unfeasible or that's unrealistic all of these people are really feeling that and you feel the weight of it on their shoulders Um, a lot of shows would get bogged down in the overly dramatic stakes going on that it would rush through stuff like this even with just eight episodes the show manages to take a time take its time and make you feel all of that um, and a next storyline is a perfect example of that because he's constantly told that he doesn't owe people that information about himself and yet it doesn't change the fact that he feels the weight of the world on his shoulders and he struggles to say those words and i think that that to me was one of the most meaningful parts of it because it really stood out it really felt real it really felt authentic and i know there's so many people out there that would have related to that um 
every single one of these teenagers is going through something. Um, and even though we've said this about other shows before, it might not be the weight of the world realistically to somebody else, but to them, it's the weight of the world. And because they felt it, you felt it. I, this might be the most expert example I've ever seen of this done on television. It was just amazing. I feel like it's just impossible to praise Heartstopper enough. It's like it's going to go down in TV history as one of the best television shows mm-hmm. that has, has ever been done, not just for kids, just in general. Like it, it just truly yeah. is a masterpiece uh, with a romance in the middle of it. Like I just, yeah. it's Nick and Charlie, and I know there are other relationships, but I mean, my goodness, those two. It's so <laughs> magical. The chemistry between Kit and Joe is mm-hmm. just, like, I can't not look at them and just like, be like, <laughs> like it breaks my heart how cute they are mm-hmm. and how much they like, that love is, I, we've watched a lot of romance. We've talked about a lot of romance on the show. I, I'm struggling to think of a, a love that is as wholesome and pure mm-hmm. and just gorgeous as this, as their love for each other. It is, I can't like, I don't have words for how adorable it is. Just like, how much Nick cares about Charlie and how much Charlie likes he Charlie thinks that loving Nick is not putting his thoughts, feelings, issues onto Nick. And Nick is like, no, that's what love means is I want to take off everything that you're carrying. I'm going to carry it too. And it's just <laughs> like, it's just beautiful. It makes me misty. It's so beautiful. I don't know. <laughs> It's, they're such they're a model relationship yeah like they really are and i'm so happy they exist because like regardless of your orientation but most importantly for young men who love young men it's a model for what your relationship should look like it just is like there's just something about these two where i'm just like look if you need to see what love looks like or what a romance should look like or what your relationship should look like I don't care what your gender identity is or what your orientation is. It's those two. Mm-hmm. That's what it, that's what it, that they are the example. They are the model. They are the template because it just really the, is. The OTP of all OTPs. Is yes. that what that, that <laughs> yeah. acronym is? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, they're so lovely. I've, struggling to find a more lovelier pair. Right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't like the only other one and just because the movie is coming out this evening and I just watched it last night red white world blue Alex and Henry is the other like pairing that I'm like oh my god it's just the way they love each other I don't understand how it's real <laughs> <laughs> Nick and Charlie I just I can't I can't I, I don't know I feel like magical. Magical. They're like the. They're like what 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 people would want if they if they're if they're looking for romance. Like if you wanted to find love in high school and expected to have that love go through high school into being life partnership, they would be it. And I love that it's being modeled for the younger generation. I'm so thrilled that kids have this show because we didn't right. (laughs) We didn't have anything even. Like, 
we obviously did not have models of queer love growing up mm -hmm. for our kind of for our demographic growing up. we didn't we just didn't have that but even the models of love that we did have for younger people it was so complicated in a different way like this is complicated in a realistic way that isn't fully like tragic like no one's you know being kidnapped no one's being mm -hmm. has a stalker no one is being hit with a car before prom like it, there's no sex scandals like it's just so pure and the complications are such an easy way to enter into this world and to be like oh yeah we did go through that in a way maybe not the same way but it's the way that it just taps into the human experience is I don't I don't know how Alice did it mm -mm, but they did they like really did I, I was trying to think when you were talking about our examples of love everything's so freaking dramatic like yeah, even is. Lizzie and Gordo like couldn't get it together <laughs> <laughs> like everything like it, it really is I can't think of outside of no because even when I go over to anime with even Sweden like and Darian, the, it's a lot yeah I'm like I love Ryan and Marissa that is the tragicest romance of tragic romances you will ever see on television and I'm like Rory Gilmore didn't have a, a romance that was like this like I can't Hunter Hill was a hot mess know, not Clark even on, La Clark and Lana on Smallville. <laughs> yeah, I'm like Mess. even Clark and Lois just. Mm. I, I'm sure there's one out there, but I I doubt it would rival Nick and Charlie. Mm. Yeah, because even if you were like Troy and Gabriella for High School Musical, those two drama too. Mm -hmm. Every episode, every movie. I said episode, which movie? <laughs> and a lot of the big teen romances from our era haven't aged well. I feel like this is one that will, and because the idea of love is a timeless thing, it's been in the movie since what the forties, the thirties, whatever. This kind of love, I think, what mm -hmm. is timeless. Not only is it it's timely, it's necessary, it's long overdue, but mm -hmm. just how endearing, enthusiastic, lovable it all really is. You can't you can't put a price on that. You can't put a timeline on that. I feel like this is one that will age incredibly well, and I'm so glad that not just this generation, but that future generations will have that to grow up with. And I hope it lives on Netflix forever, where people can just click into it and watch it because it's one of the most uplifting, joyous, um, and happy romances I've ever seen on TV. Um, and that's not to say that there isn't trauma in there, but just the way it's all dealt with, the way it's all um, dramatized, the the authenticity of it and the absolutely yes. endearing nature of it. It's beautiful. I'm demanding six seasons in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I can get behind that. <laughs> um, I hope so. I, I feel like it's not going anywhere. Mm -mm. Um, it's just, no. it's hugely successful. Alice is doing things that, Alice's work to me in this show very much feels like a byproduct of so many of the conversations that have been happening since, you know, we were coming of age, like in the ways that the doors have opened um, and they've diversified. And the, I mean, there's a great conversation about consent in um, this, in this season. Uh, there's a great conversation about boundaries. And uh, what it means to apologize and how apologize, apologizing doesn't fix things. 
you just said some words. Actions are really important, but also the person you're apologizing to doesn't have to mean doesn't that that doesn't mean you get to come back in their life. I'm mm-hmm. just like, look at these like little niblets of of like PSA that's not PSA. Like we're not yeah, having Yeah, it's a, not whacking you over the head. It's yeah. very suddenly like it's just subtle reminders that uh apologies aren't a transaction. No is a complete sentence. Like it's just like that's what's at the bottom of all of these scenes. Like oh my God, that scene between Charlie and Ben I will be thinking about because Joe just ugh. we didn't talk about the cast, right? Because we need to is, no we need I... to praise them and just like how just like watching the interviews like I am a teenager. Like they're just like <laughs> so like I'm so happy that kids these days have this cast in particular because they are just it's just, they're screen into real life. It feels like they're just as genuine and special. Great role models. Not Mm -hmm. to put that on them because growing up, our idols had role model placed upon them, and that is unfair. But they are great role models. I feel like, Mm -hmm. and that role model does not equal perfection. Let me just say that. Like that's not what role model means. It's just modeling how you should conduct yourself and move through the world. That was another tangent. I'm sorry. No, it's great. (laughs) Good one. It's a good one because it is something. That's true about them um, and how they move through the world and how they want to be seen. I think it's also that changes and, and evolves over time too. And it just seems, and they're so open about being like, this is where I am now in my life, but I might want to do something different later. Or this is like, mm-hmm. they just seem like, and it might just be because they're Gen Z's. I feel like Gen Z's are just so reflective. Like uh, for our generation as older millennials, well, younger millennials, where are we? Older millennials is like the 40s. Like that's Beyonce. Yes, Beyonce is a millennial. I'm claiming her. She's right on the cusp. <laughs> and, and then um, and then there's us in. Are we like mid millennial? I think we're mid millennial because we, we were alive and kicking it before the internet became a thing. The millennium, yeah. Okay. And so then we, and then we, um, you know, we know all about the internet now. It's a bit different from the ones who just know nothing about the life mm. before the internet. Her generation is fascinating to me. Right? We were born at such a odd time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I feel like we're, like, walks to remember, we're straddling two state borders. Mm-hmm. Like, we're, like, on two sides of different... Uh, it's, it's a strange place to be as a mom. No, we, we're, like, at the... Just as globalization was beginning to open and the internet was popping but in any case the gen z's are just more reflective than previous generations and they're it's easier for a lot of them to have more frank conversations and be honest about where they are in their life uh which is not a millennial thing millennial Mm -hmm. thing is very much can i get a guide for this can i get a book (laughs) To, to understand how we're supposed to be handling this. So it is just, it is nice seeing the generation after us be able to be more open. Not to say that it's not scary. I don't, I don't think anyone in that generation is saying it's like, oh, it's so easy to just be able to walk out about in the world and talk about yourself. But they are doing it in a way that's comfortable for them. And that's really cool. Mm-hmm. Now I feel old. That's okay. I like getting older. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mature. Let's use the word mature. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mature. Really. Age comes wisdom. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I think it's even shown in Heartstopper. Mm-hmm. Love Very seeing the adults being there for these teens. And with the scene you were talking about, Reed, with, with Mr. Farouk. I'm sorry, I don't remember the art teacher's name. But when they're standing there and they're talking Mr. about it. Ajay? Ajay? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yeah. I don't think they ever said it in season two. Oh. <laughs> so I just rewatched season one. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it is nice, you know, like that was particularly about his experience and not having what Nick and Charlie have. But there's also the layer of being able to talk with another adult who just reminds you that like life doesn't, life keeps going. So whether you had that youthful abandon just because you're in your, I'm going to say 30s doesn't mean you can't have you like experience that as an adult it just would be a little different mm-hmm. it reminds me of one of my favorite quotes that i've it's been like a, a mantra for me for let's say almost 10 years you're exactly where you need to be mm-hmm. so and that's on a macro and a micro like in day to day it helps me stay present like wherever i am like if i'm for instance if i'm hanging out with my nephews who are very young and i feel pulled to do something else like oh I have to do something for work or oh I shouldn't be doing this I'm like no I'm here I'm present I'm exactly where I need to be this is where I'm supposed to be nothing else should matter but like on a a bigger picture scale that quote has helped me like when I was unemployed and I'm like no I'm exactly where I need to be things will sort itself out there's a reason why I'm in this position and I think that even for Mr. Farouk like thinking about how everyone's timing you were all on our own timing one thing's not better than the other he was his journey happened because it's how it needed to happen like and i think that quote also helps me not um regret things because sure you can look back and be like oh i wish i would have done that differently but like also no because if you don't have your experiences you wouldn't be who you are right now so mm-hmm. that's something I also this the way the show makes me think so deeply about things. Oh my god, I love it! Like it's yeah, again, it's so simple, <laughs> but like the way that it can get you like just reflecting and thinking about the past, the present, and the future, and ugh, it's such a gift. There's, there's a cleverness in the simple storytelling, and I think that's something that people really need to acknowledge because less it does really make yeah, exactly. It does make you think, and less can be more. That's too, I will say though, watching it made me miss that age. Like it really did. Like with when Charlie and Nick and all their friends are together, and yeah. to me, teenagers are essentially like puppies. Everything has to be done in a group. We're always laying on one another. We're always bouncing around. Like we had sugar, even if we didn't have any sugar. Like there's just y'all. If you're a teenager listening to this, indulge that in your life like live in that because when you get older like that's not actually the tv is lying to you that's not happening with adults <laughs> like it can happen but everyone's usually so busy or they've moved mm-hmm. away or yeah, you're like, not you gonna before work meet at central perk for an hour to talk with your friends over coffee like that's just no. maybe it's reality for some people but it's just i know for me and a lot of people it's not so when you it, you're right. It does take me back to like getting off the bus at school in the morning and meeting up with friends before class and in the halls during passing period and just being in that ecosystem. 
as much as you try to like push out of it and you're like, oh, because it's a grind. It's every day you see the same people and it's like, oh my goodness, again. But like when you look back, you're like, that is such a important, pivotal, strange time to be in that we're just like all together, just a four walls of emotions and too much coursework. Yes. <laughs> I'm standing with Charlie. It was a lot. Yeah. Let him <laughs> I I was I was talking back to his mom for him. I will say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was doing a lot, but he didn't need to do his coursework. Mm-hmm. He got it in five minutes I'm, spare. He did it. Look yeah. at our boy go. Like I'm on her side, right. but I'm like, he deserves this. Yeah. He does. She was doing too much though. I was like, ma'am, I feel like we can work in. Why don't we just bring the boy over to study with him? Mm-hmm. Like I know it, in her mind, it'd be like that's a overward. I'm like, but it might help him concentrate. A little, mm-hmm. a little Nick for a treat. Yeah, yeah you know, like, get, your, get your essay done. He can come over for movie night. I'll make popcorn and set out the pretzels. How about that? Something to work towards. Yeah, I know. Because but I was like with Charlie Charlie's dad, who was just like, ah. <laughs> 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 what do I say? What that won't get me in trouble. <laughs> he was so cute going up to the step, being like, Charlie, do you want dinner? And like it was just I was like, no, sir, he doesn't want he's mad right now. But his father's just like, I can't bring you your boyfriend, but I can bring you a meal. This <laughs> <laughs> is not my fault I'm still here for you. Also, unsung hero Tori Spring. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. She wants all the smoke and I support her. Yes. yes. What a legend. I mean, see, I watch out David, um, Nick's brother. I'm surprised she didn't push him down those stairs and just say, I would have, she's better than me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of these uh, interactions in the show have taught me that I, I mean, I talk a big game. I wouldn't, but I, they're nicer than me. <laughs> <laughs> ben had another thing coming for me. He still does. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> ben, you know, also someone might see, be seen by him might be and that's how they can unlearn behavior yes mm. that could be an important it, he's included in the journey i hope nobody does but if you do really internalize that mm. listen to charlie and what charlie has to say mm-hmm. during the pivotal moment mm-hmm. that him and ben have a scene just mm-hmm. saying oh, such a good scene it is I feel though, like if we don't wrap this up, we will be here for another three hours talking. (laughs) (laughs) That might be our dream, but that's not our listeners' dream. (laughs) No, but if you guys, if you haven't watched Heartstopper season two, or you haven't watched Heartstopper, it really is good. If you're, um, I know some people just don't like YA dramas. I get that. It's used too young for you, but give it a chance. It Mm -hmm. really is lovely. The episodes are like 30 minutes. And the first season is a little less than that. Uh, it's a wonderful, happy journey. If you're sad, just put on Heartstopper. You- and if you're like in your 30s and you're like, I'm not watching this, like do it for your inner team that could probably use some healing and you don't even know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that stuff sneaks up on you. You're watching something and you're like, oh, didn't know 16-year-old me needed this, but here we are. <laughs> it's like, Especially- it's okay. like a cozy cardigan you didn't know you needed. It just wraps you in such warmth yeah like oh i forgot you in the back of my closet <laughs> pull you back out 
That's how I should have handled that moment in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Lessons to be learned from this little show everywhere. <laughs> it really is. Okay, well, that's it for this week's podcast, y'all. Where the CW Spiral. I'm Sabrina. I'm Michael. I'm Reed. Bye.